Welcome to another episode of the Global's podcast series. And um, really hope that you find what I have to share with you interesting. So, hello Berlin. How many of you live in Berlin? How many of you are from Berlin? Or German? Okay, one, awesome. Are you new to Berlin, most of you? Okay, cool. So, let me tell you a little bit about the city, or Germany, or in general, open data and the future of work. Let's like throw big terms out there. So, uh, this is me. Uh, I've, lived, I've been living here for the last four years. At the beginning, I was in a little bit of a denial. Um, I moved here for just for three months, and I was like, yay, it's just like an in-between place. Then the first two years, I was actually actively trying to get out of that relationship. Uh, and now I'm just like, it, it, this is it. We found, I found the one. So anyway, I've been, yeah, I'm living here now for four years, and I'm loving it. And basically, I run this media company called The Economy. Um, Paula as well as part of the team there. And uh, what we're doing is we have an online portal uh, for data scientists and machine learning professionals, anyone who's working with these technologies to learn and um, share knowledge and also connect with each other. And then we also have the community arm, which is Data Natives. And um, I actually come from the arts. So in my free time, on weekends mostly, I try to go to galleries as much as possible and see art. Um, how many of you actually are in the tech world one way or another? Okay, right, cool. So hopefully some of those things would also be relevant to you as well and the platform could be interesting for you. So open data. Uh, yeah, even though I, as I said, like I come from a more artsy background, what really attracted me to the tech world was actually um, what, what I've also noticed with the artists that, w that I was working with, that they were really making a commentary about data privacy and research and also security. And on the other hand, uh, what I consider as a very big open movement for open source technologies and open data. So, um, of course, open data doesn't mean that someone would have, without you asking for it, your data and then use it maliciously but basically means that you provide data, you and other citizens provide the data that we need in order to make our infrastructures better, potentially, hopefully. So there's really a big um, potential in having open data. I mean, it, it has a potential, as you see here, from all these big, big, giant media platforms like the Wall Street Journal or uh, some consultancies like McKinsey, Forrester Research or Gartner, they're really pointing out that if you have open data, it can really change your experience as a citizen, as a private citizen, but also can change a lot of the things um, that, that, we, that we have in our infrastructure. So I think that's what open data is and what, what make it very interesting. And of course, working with open data means that also you open source projects. So they're out there and anyone can commit and change the project and for the hopefully for the better. Um, yeah, there's always like a binary, a binary uh, yeah, implication from this kind of stuff. Um, but in any case, so I'm a big advocate of open data and I think that it can really uh, be used, sorry about that, for, for, um, for good if you make it as a choice. So open data is a choice. Uh, it can be used maliciously, but it can definitely be used 
uh, in a lot of different ways for, for the betterment of our society. And there is the, there, ah, there is, before I jump into it, speaking of Germany, um, this is, as you can see, the Open Data Index. This is pretty much, um, we, can, we can, based on this, you can see in every government, in every city, in every, well, in every country, how much information is available, publicly available to the citizen. Um, so, for example, the, the number one country in the world that has most of their data sets open is Taiwan, and that goes under the criteria of national statistics, uh, government budget, legislation, uh, procurement tenders, election results, a national map, weather forecast, pol pollutant emissions, company register, location data sets, and water quality. So basically, you can really understand how you mark, how, how it's, it's marked in every city, in every government, in every, in every country. And it's very interesting and can help uh, really um, better, better man our society. Um, sorry, I'm really not figuring out that clicker. Uh, so Germany here in the open data index is number 24. It's actually a jump since the last time I checked, which was 2016, it was number 26. So more and more information is publicly available uh, for, for people, for researchers to work around and figure out um, different, different aspects. Um, so there's, there's four main pillars of value when we're talking about the open data infrastructure. So on one hand, of course, as I mentioned already, really betterment our experience and our citizens, meaning from the road road infrastructure, uh, how we com commute uh, from one place to another, uh, transportation, mobility. It really can make us be make better decisions for our governments, for example, how we vote, election polls, like having more publicly available information regarding um, our legislations. Uh, regarding our finances. Um, on the other hand, it really can make personally people make better decisions, data-driven decisions, uh, either as a company or as an as a individual. Operational efficiency, that is predominantly, again, as an individual, but also as a company, it can really make you uh, have a more data-driven approach to things. And of course, it has an economic impact because you understand where you can save costs or where you can optimize. And of course, um, having said that, speaking in general about data science, it is really the discipline about making data useful. Because I mean, we, we can have, <laughs> everything is made of data and we are made of data, but with the way that we approach data and with the way we see facts is what makes it having an impact or not. Uh, so yeah, otherwise it's kind of like a, um, it's a, it's sort of like a Lego Lego game where where you have to put things together and put them in a structure. Um, the person, by the way, here uh, that I mentioned, she's the she she's one to follow if you're into this kind of topics in data science. So her name is Kazi Kozrikov, and she really simplifies machine learning in a very very nice and neat way. Um, okay, I I messed it up again. Sorry. So when it comes to when it comes to really cleaning your data, like if, if as an individual you're interested or if you happen to work in a company and you think that's definitely necessary for you, there are three simple steps to take, I would say, in, in a simple approach. So one is really identifying and planning. So put structure into play. Who doesn't need structure in their life? Um, 
This is an example that I like to take when I when I talk about the steps. Uh, it's from, uh, from one of our previous speakers, one of our events. Um, she's the head of BI at Solaris Bank, and she her name is Mary Hermans, and she pretty much showcased in one of our one of the presentations that we had um, how they and her company decided to build their business intelligence infrastructure. And it's interesting because you see. Like, again, from a company perspective, right? And you can take it and apply it either in your personal life or where, wherever you think that could be interesting to you. Um, if you think about it, like, you have, in a company, you've got, you use different software tools. Uh, you use, or you use de generally different tools. So either your accounting infrastructure, Dativ here in Germany, very complicated system, very complicated system. Or <laughs> Excel spreadsheet, um, in general, I'm sure like all of us, we're using Excel spreadsheet one way or another. They're my favorite tool. <laughs> um, Salesforce or whatever CRM tool you might be using. And then you have the back end, of course, especially if we're talking about a digital company. And then all of this together, all of this information, construct your back end. And then basically, how you communicate this information, how that comes across internally to all of the stakeholders, from your HR department, finance, marketing, to your technical person, to your co-founder, that's pretty much like how you can get actionable insights. And really, how you report and showcase the information would make a big change in your life. And again, like I'm giving now the, the company example. I guess for me, it's like, it's very nicely put together and it's something that I can resonate with, but that can, that can make an impact on anything when we're talking from open data to, yeah, and I'll give you some other examples later to, you know, your personal life and how you organize it. Um, step two, accuracy. I, I, that, this slide looks a little bit messy there. <laughs> it's hard. Accuracy is hard. It's, okay. it's kind of like ironic, talking about accuracy and having the why under. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. anyway so <laughs> accuracy. Um, clearly, yes. So this is, again, this is a slide taken from another presentation, so I'm quoting different people here. Um, so this is uh, Martin Held. He's a da data scientist at Finleap, and he also presented in, in 2016, I think, this, this case, or 17, when he was trying to explain how they are, again, internally. So Finleap is a comp How many of you know Finleap? Okay, you know them. No one else does. So Finlip is a company builder. So again, like another example from company to company builder. And that means um, that essentially the way they are compartmentalizing their infrastructure is a little bit different because they have a central, or at least that was the fin Finlip model. They have a centralized some of their activities, so for example, departments, so for example, HR, marketing was centralized, the technical people were centralized, and then basically they were building different products, which were the different companies. So talking about accuracy, um, in his presentation, he used this slide to really explain, so okay, if you have like a company builder, meaning that you as a as an infrastructure building different multiple companies, and then you have your marketing, you have your HR, which are centralized, you have your technical people, the legal centralized, but then only the product teams and potentially sales were individualized depending on the company, then you really, really, really <laughs> can stretch this enough in the way that you are communicating the information and the way you can cross-departmentalize, cross um, it really has to be very specific. So again, like the accuracy here, when it comes to cleaning data, taking it into a metaphorical way, it's very important because you know you have prototyping, team building, boosting, handovers, coaching, recruiting, but then like 
where the product and tech team and the venture team, so the specific company that has been built, intersync or like, yeah, the, the, the point where they meet, it has to, the information has to be very, very accurate. Uh, so step three, um, using again like the guide of in data science specifically, um, I would say extracting and cleaning data. So basically visualizing, data visualization. So you have the structure, you clean it, you also are trying to have as accurate information as possible, but then if you're not a great communicator, because uh, in a way like data visualization is about communicating the results, then the people who are not really in the whole process and part of it, they won't be able to understand. Um, yes, this, this is, I would say, simplified like an, a similar graph to the first one that I showed you, but basically the, all of the steps essentially in the end, it really points out to how you're gonna visualize it. Uh, how many of you use N26 here? Are you planning to stay with them? <laughs> you are? You said yes? Oh, you're not, okay. Anyway, I'm not sure either. Um, so anyone who works at N26 here, please feel free to convince me otherwise. But basically, <laughs> basically, I'm using this example here because, um, well, I think that they, they do a pretty good job with finances, visualizing finances, especially for a person like me who actually, when it comes to my finances, um, I'm struggling, yes, it's, it's ironic. <laughs> it's ironic, but my personal finances, I'm definitely, I'm definitely, I would definitely need some help there. They, they, def they, they supporting, I, I find it very good how they are helping every, like with their app to really be able to see how you're spending your money, like making like really nice visualizations and it's really like, it's really simple stuff. Like they just know, they, the way they have, the, the UI UX is pretty much really user friendly and the way they've, they've done it, it's really easy to visualize what, what you've done, how you spend your money. So <coughs> as if we are voting here or giving reviews, um, going backwards about open data and data in general, uh, if you know, if if you were in doubt and we were trying to think like, okay, so what would mean that I have my my uh, shit, pardon my language, together when it comes to this kind of stuff? Then just give yourself some stars, you know, high school looks like high school, more like junior, junior like primary school like. So mm, if the data is available on the web under whatever format and in any kind of open license, mm, that's like, okay, that's kind of like, you, you got the first step there. Uh, if it is available and structured, you got an extra point, you're moving closer to like making, making something out of that data. If you're also managing to, uh, I don't know, instead of using Excel, you actually CSV it and make it accessible in an easier way to download and be able to extract, then you got three stars. If you use URIs to denote things so that people can actually point at your data, so you really tag it, Jesus, tagging is a really important thing, then you got four stars, and really you're an excellent student if you manage to also link your data to other data and provide context. So having said that, and simplifying like the whole data science or data, uh, open data, um, landscape. I I would like I would as I said in the beginning of the presentation, like 
I would really like to also move it to, to link it with the, the experience of the citizen and actually how anyone here could do something with this open data that is publicly available with an example of, of, um, of something that happened here in the city. So a couple of years back, um, I don't know, how many of you have been to Tempelhof? Do you guys go often? Do you like it? It's a cool, it's a cool park, right? So a couple of years back, um, there were plans to turn Tempelhof uh, Park. Well, it used to be, as we know, the airport, this never-ending story. Well, you know, what's going to happen with that? Um, but anyway, so the, a couple of years back, there was discussions to change. Well, a lot of people use Tempelhof, you know, after, after the stop being an airport. They start using, everybody's using it as a park. They go and run there. I actually trained there for a triathlon. That was really nice. <laughs> they, you know, you can go and do picnic. You can go do roller skating. It's a really nice place, right? And they were discussing potentially building some houses there. Um, to which they, of course, it really came with a very um, mixed response because people start feeling that they will take their park and their space so and and um, and that's how a referendum came about so people would have to vote whether they want this to happen or not um, and of course like everybody was bombarding um, receiving information related to to um, to to what would be the best like the different activist groups starting uh, taking shape and trying to um, give as much information and um, prevent this from happening. And essentially, um, what happened was this guy there, uh, Stefan uh, Meifmeier, I believe his name is, uh, one of the developers, he also was part of all of this. I mean, he, he lived very close by to the neighborhood and he wanted to make a decision based on what, you know, the, the data that is out there and decide um, for the best for the community. And uh, what he thought of doing was to take, I mean, there were a lot of, a lot of, um, in order to make this decision, to make this vote, uh, a lot of the plans were, um, uh, how do you say it, they were um, released. So plans of what they, were what they were planning to build were released. And what he decided to do in order to make this, to, make, to help citizens make the best decision is that he took all the data points and essentially he built this 3D visualization map um, which was picked up by Berliner Morgenpost and it was turned into a story and essentially really, and that's it, and essentially really helped people decide whether that's for them or not. So decide whether they would be on board with it or not. Um, so that was like one of the, I would say, one of the winning cases for citizens really taking control over what's going on in their neighborhoods and understanding how they can contribute. So um, what's interesting about this person among other people, uh, I don't know if how many of you are familiar with the K-Lab here, but a K-Lab, it's, um, it's really a, gra a grassroots organization and they're doing a lot of similar activities like that where they help, you know, using data and using technology, help making the best decisions possible and really contributing to the infrastructure of the cities. Um, so essentially that was one of their contribution. And you can find our K-Labs in, in different locations around, around Germany. Um, so coming back to the tech scene and the infrastructure, especially for new people here. Um, 
how do you think the German tech landscape looks like? Anyone wants to say something? You do. I can see it. You do. You want to share your thoughts? You took it very literally there. <laughs> okay, so you're talking about the actual the space. I am I mostly meant like the ecosystem, but th that I like I like this uh, like this literal translation of a landscape. What do you think there? So a lot of startups and on the consumer side, a lot of yeah, consumer products. Cool. Any other thoughts? No. Okay. All right. I'll be talking. That's fine. Um, so I was looking for something more like this. Um, I was thinking like, yeah, I was I was wondering what you guys think in terms of how centralized the German tech landscape is. And essentially what is interesting as well, and it was also bewildering to me when I moved here first, is that uh, there's not really a central place where tech startups or generally like business landscape is, but business, yeah, businesses flourish. There's like, um, it's really all over the place and it's really different topics. So of course we all know Berlin for e-commerce for, for e stuff, but it's now getting more and more like um, you can see there's also more and more banking-related uh, topics and banking-related companies, specifically in, in Frankfurt. Most of the finance are in Frankfurt. Then there is a lot of real estate also. Um, a lot of the tech companies are still in, in Dusseldorf and Cologne. It's, very, it's a very decentralized um, ecosystem, which makes it quite interesting um, and diverse. And when we're really talking about when we're really talking about culturally how in relation to the businesses German infrastructure is on one high is the on one on one side there's really about perfectionism so really making something again and again until you get it 100% to 120% right uh, there's a lot of repetition in that sense as I mentioned it's very decentralized ecosystem so they're scattered around there's not really only in Berlin but it's all over Germany and then there's a lot of risk aversion here as well um, which is something that you can see if you especially if you're looking into starting a new company um, it's it's very um, there's a lot of obstacles and um, that's why it's it's there's a lot of um, resistance to to new technologies in a way that it is probably in, like compared to other locations like London or Silicon Valley. Nevertheless, it's definitely a very, very interesting place. That's another map, uh, but it portrays the same thing. Um, so jumped from a lot of different, different topics from open data to really showcasing something that is for the citizen and then really talking a little bit about where we are and how it is here. Um, now, how that applies to us, right? What's the future of work like? So I found this really interesting illustration um, on, the, on the internet, of course, uh, on the dump of information, uh, the, da the, the, data, the data lake. Um, and 
what is interesting about this is it really talks about the future human, the future. It's it's a it's um it's a research done together with OECD, uh, which is a public organization of open open economic. Uh, forum and, and data and basically they're, they're looking into the future of how essentially like let's say uh, the the average person by 2055 would be I mean Jesus can you even thi like think about how we would be in 2055 I don't I don't know if I want to think about that 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 feels a little bit too far away we're still at 2020 uh, but yeah I mean for example and a, stat a statistic that really um, yeah that I think is really encouraging is that um, so there will be 70% women in the workforce. Um, another interesting statistic is that um, they about like there will be about 40,000 uh, sanitarians. Um, the annual net income would increase. Uh, their people would live about up to like 96 years, which is also pretty cool. Um, yeah, and uh, another similar points like this in terms of how we will be in, in 2055. But certainly I think one, one thing that will be putting everything together, one thing that would definitely be um, important to see and important to acknowledge is how we will be in terms of us in the workplace. And I would say that be having experienced that and being part of the, uh, having, think, having thought about open data for all this time and, and seeing being very closely related with startup culture and, and technology, I think that basically data will be very important for, for how we are building our cultures internally in our organization but also externally. And um, going back to the company model, because I guess it's the, the one that it's easiest to, to take as a metaphor, um, it's, it's important to ask how can we build a data culture in our company so, uh, summarized five points here for you, take it or leave it. But basically, um, number one, we, we should all be data literate and understand uh, how, like, how we can uh, communicate using these technologies, how we can make our life and infrastructure better. Um, how, and, and by data literate, I mean understanding like basic terms of communication uh, in terms of using these technologies and, and using these infrastructures. Um, and I mean, as they said, like growing up now, pretty much like the average kid would be able to code. I think also like the average kid should also be able to be le data literate and understand um, how to extract the most insights out of the data, the massive amount of data that we are producing every second. Um, then we should have an easy to use data infrastructure because it's very, e I, I guess like it's with all of this data being produced all the time, um, it's very easy to get lost in it and actually to, from a, from a simple standpoint, also like lose sense of whether that is facts checked or just uh, someone, pr pr someone putting their opinion on the internet. Um, so we should have uh, internally in the company as well and a very easy to use data infrastructure for any, anyone, uh, whether they are a data scientist or not, to be able to, to utilize it. Uh, we should have a simple metrics lexicon, again, to be able to, to know what, what, are we what are we measuring and how we're measuring it so that we can measure as well our, uh, again, in company terms, um, our performance. Um, so we can we can have a data dictionary. I mean, I also noticed that outside of, of analytics department, I also no noticed that 
you know, we, we use the same words in a different way, so it's good to have a common um, definition of those words, because uh, that's pretty important. And then um, data should be part of any important decision and discussion. So when you're, when you're trying to, when you have a meeting and you're really trying to get your message across, it's very important that you come with facts and figures and not just gut feelings. Um, and yeah, business intelligence and data science should not become a bottleneck. It shouldn't be that you have all of this data but you don't know exactly what to do with it. it should, you should really be able to, to make your life easier. Um, and on that note, as I mentioned from the beginning as well, we are, um, we as data natives, we are really trying to help um, companies and people to really understand um, in the simplest way, but also to advance in the most compli complex way uh, in these fields and really making actionable insights with data science. And we're doing that um, by creating events uh, online and offline. So by online, I mean that, I mean, not only events, but we, we put content out and we inform our community uh, about what we're doing and about also different news and articles uh, of the latest that's happening in these fields. And uh, we're also doing offline events. So we have, so far we've done more than 300 events um, uh, in 50 cities worldwide. Um, we have a community actually now of more than 75,000. So this number there is outdated um, around the world. Um, we have a media portal. It did not come very well here, didn't it? Um, we have a media portal, as I mentioned, where we share articles, and if you have anything else that you'd like to share, we're very open, we're very much community-driven um, around these topics for aspiring data scientists, but also for uh, more advanced. Um, and you can visit it to, to get the latest about education, to educate yourself, but also for recruitment opportunities. And we have this a conference that's happening at the end of November, um, which brings together about 2,000 people in Berlin. It's on the 25th and 26th. And um, you can, it's more than 2,000 people. Uh, we're going to have about 150 speakers and um, more than 60 partners. And if you're interested in these topics, um, we will welcome you as an attendee or I think also as a speaker. We still have a couple of slots left. And um, as a volunteer as well, we always look for people to help us out to put this together who wants to contribute to the community. And these are some of the people who have been helping us to do this. Um, and thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Global's podcast series. Music and production by Dirk Jacobs and 52 Degrees North Studio.